Hi everyone, this is Divided Films, the podcast where we talk about movies that audiences and critics do not agree on. I'm JJ, and with me always is my co-host Keith. Hello! And uh, today with us, um, our special guest, I would say, is a jack-of-all-trades when it comes to movie making. Uh, it's our good friend Adam Volarek. Hello, Adam. Good to Hello. have you here. Good to be here. Adam, best known for uh, his short film Tyrannosaurus Death, which is currently streaming on the online film journal Bright Wall uh, and Dark Room. And uh, you can find all of his work at adamvolerich.com. Volerich, V-O-L-E-R-I-C-H.com. So hopefully I uh, didn't butcher that. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> Good enough. Uh, and uh, today we are talking about the 2005 version of the movie King Kong, directed by Peter Jackson and starring Jack Black, Naomi Watts, and Adrian... Uh, Brody. Brody. <laughs> I was like, please don't forget anything. Okay. <laughs> Adrian Brody. Okay. Almost made it. So uh, this movie falls into the category of having a positive score with critics and a negative score with audiences. So that's 84% approval from critics and only 50% from audiences. And uh, the critics' consensus, little paragraph here, Featuring state-of-the-art special effects, terrific performances, and a majestic sense of spectacle, Peter Jackson's remake of King Kong is a potent epic that's faithful to the spirit of the 1933 original. So, um, what do you guys think of this disparity here of King Kong? I mean, I, I was surprised to see such like a lower score from audiences. What do you think that would be? I actually have a very strong idea of why I think uh, audiences don't like this movie. Oh yeah, what would um, that be? So, first of all, I kind of think that um, anytime an audience score is that low, it typically has to do with uh, expectations being left unfulfilled. Yeah. And the majority of the time that, I think, is caused by uh, marketing that is designed not to represent the film properly, but to get people in their seats. Mm. So after I watched the movie, which I love, by the way, um, okay. I, I went back and I was like, I actually am curious what the trailers for this film look like. I have no memory of them. And I watched all the trailers, and they are wildly inaccurate. They mm. represent the film purely as an action-adventure movie. Jurassic Park 4, basically. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And I think the, the most interesting thing about that, uh, and is kind of my central thesis on what this movie is, is that if you... About an hour into the film, when they are about to get off the boat and go onto Skull Island... Uh, Jamie Bell's character, I can't remember the name of, but he's like the ship hand that had originally stowed away. Mm -hmm. He, the whole movie, has been reading um, uh, Heart of Darkness. Yep. And he gets to the point in Heart of Darkness where things start to go wrong. And he turns to... Um, I, I, again, I Hayes, remember. I think? Yeah, Mr. Hayes. Mr. Hayes. He turns to Mr. Hayes and he says... Um, Willie, right? Is the... Yeah, Willie, Willie something or, like that. Yeah, Willie or Billy. Billy, Billy yeah, it's Illy. Something yeah. Illy. And he turns to him and he says, this isn't an adventure story, is it? And he's like, no, Billy, it isn't. And then he quotes some, oh. some of the text from Heart of Darkness. That sums it up, maybe. Yeah, and I think, I think that's a big part of it. But I also think that to take it one step further, um, if you look at Heart of Darkness and you look at, say, Apocalypse Now, which is based on that, uses that yeah. source material to tell a story about the Vietnam War. Yep. The general thesis being that, like, civilized imperialistic forces are just as, quote, savage as, quote, savages. Mm -hmm. um, 
and if you look at uh, King Kong, what King Kong is doing is it is not only adapting Heart of Darkness, mm. it's also adapting the making of Apocalypse Now. <laughs> and Jack Black is not only Colonel Kurtz, but he's also Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, yeah, okay. that's really. And that's cool kind of my of... big like mic drop take on like what this on one of Don't the drop many the mic. things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is very expensive. No, actually, yeah. wow. But it's just... one of the many things that this movie is doing. Oh, that's really cool. I, I kind of yeah. like that double play of like you know what this sort of movie could be standing for and trying yeah. to convey. Um, and, you know, Jack Black is, I think, one of the main kind of, like, points of divisiveness in this movie. It does seem to be the case, yeah. Um, you know, I, th- I, I like Jack Black, but I feel like he's not everyone's cup of tea. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, though, as much as I like what he's doing, I don't know if he really fits into this, like, 1930s depression era as well as some of the other actors. I didn't know he was wearing a wig the entire time. He got a haircut, and Peter Jackson didn't like it, so... He, he oh, won't. that's funny. I didn't so know I guess, that. like, uh... It matches I, his hairline from the, from I thought the time it was, period really well. When I was looking up the facts for this movie, of all, it's like, did you know that Jack Black wore a wig? Like, that's funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's now, a good wig. Speaking of, <laughs> I thought it was um, his hair. Yeah. Speaking of expectations, you know, this is Peter Jackson coming hot off of the Lord of the Rings Right, movies. this is after Return of the King has won, yeah, he, like, he the most Oscars. The, one yeah. of the biggest movies, you know, still He got, like, no one directing paycheck for this movie, like $20 million. Like, yeah. They, they, I think this, I really think the studio expected something, and he wanted to tell, he really wanted to pay an homage, and I'm well, kind of curious about the behind the scenes. It's kind of an interesting story, at least how it first started, because... Peter Jackson, um, apparent uh, from like interviews I've seen, he said that the original King Kong movie, seeing that made him want, made him want to become a filmmaker. So it kind of is this nice like full circle moment where you know after making this like landmark franchise, Lord of the Rings, uh, now he's being asked to direct basically his like childhood favorite film. So I think that's kinda nice. The passion yeah, it's is really there. cool. The pa- like the passion and love for King mm-hmm. Kong is there. What I what I also like about Peter Jackson's touch of this movie is some of the more like horror elements. Like, yeah, absolutely. My I the the scene where they drop down to that cavern and there's all the giant insects is I, one of the most upsetting things I I've get, ever watched. I still <laughs> have a hard time. Ugh, yeah, it makes my skin crawl just thinking about it. Probably one of the worst uh, movie deaths is um, Andy Serkis' yeah. human character. Yeah. I think that's the first oh my time God. What's his, what's his name? His name is Lumpy? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think so. Oh, I wrote it wow. down because it was so funny. Um, um, oh, that's wild. That, that was like so horrible um and it was played as like a scary scene you know like the yeah. music is like very ominous and uh oh, howard shore does a fantastic I-, I think there's a lot of good points of this movie yeah uh i looking into the audience reviews uh, you know you do have a lot of people who really love it it is mm-hmm. like split down the middle yeah the length of it the pacing the yeah. tone you know, length is hard for a lot of moviegoers well that's the other thing the like, acting, like he's he's, he's making three different movies like every hour of the film is a whole new movie and maybe that's why it was hard to market because you have the like you know dinosaur centric sequences right. but you know the beginning of the movie is this very like homage send up to like you know like depression era entertainment right. you know, old it's, showbiz it's, it's about how uh, spectacle becomes the only source of comfort in a time of great like economic downturn Mm -hmm. um which is like a well-documented like phenomenon like if you look at like automobile sales uh cars with vibrant colors the sales of them skyrocket when Mm. there's an economic uh uh, crash because it's like people want something shiny and and bright to look at 
that's interesting because I know that like vaudeville though essentially died with the in the Great Depression. So that but then right. the film then maybe like you know that's cinema why took all, over yeah. entertainment and uh, this movie also kind of captures that. You know, yeah. Naomi Watts is like a vaudevillian actress in this movie. Right. Um, and I remember when I was when I was going back through the trailers, most of them were basically just scenes of Kong fighting the T Rex. Yeah. One of the trailers is Jack Black. Uh, it's like a it's a, a supercut of like a bunch of Jack Black's like monologues, and it's basically like somewhere out there, there's a, a woman who's perf- who's born to play this role, and it's all centered visually mm-hmm. on Naomi Watts doing the showbiz stuff. And then at the very end of the trailer, there's like Kong screaming. So yeah. they really just like they were like, I guess we'll market this one hour to these people. We'll market mm. this one hour to these people, and in doing so, you kind of don't market it accurately to any single group. It's kind of hard to sum up everything this movie does yeah. in like a two minute trailer, or even like a TV like thirty second spot. Yeah, you know, you can't really perfectly um, you know sum it up that way. Yeah, do you think? Uh... Like, I, I, I can understand, like, they're trying to sell this movie, but do you think that also happened during the movie, or at least the writing? Because they're, especially that huge, a lot of Skull Island, it does, and even the scenes end up being, like, Jurassic Park. Yeah. I'm like, is this trying to be Jurassic Park 4? Like, it, mm-hmm. it, I, 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 I did, I remember, I did watch the director's cut. Oh, you did? I, I I've seen, I've seen it before. Yeah. And then I watched the the regular. So, version so I, for I watched this. I watched the theatrical before coming here because I was like, okay, we're talking about the critics versus audience and yeah. like what they're discussing is yeah. the theatrical. But part. I have seen so, the director's cut in the past. I, yeah, I, I have a I have it at home because I have I bought the uh, 4K Ultimate Edition uh, Ooh, for this. You so are I was like, a fan. So I was like, I'm gonna watch this in like the best possible quality to like yeah. really like get my my head on straight uh, when thinking about it. But. Um, I was reading that the only like major thing that you see is uh, in the extended cut is there's like one more scene of them making the movie within the movie and there's something with a sea monster and I was like okay I don't like need to see that see, I, I remember sure about it the sea I remember there's one scene I would have replaced with the sea monster and I guess maybe this movie did win for special effects and I think at the time it deserved it especially for mm-hmm. Kong and mm-hmm. and that like groundbreaking you know, all the, the motion stuff capture. I the motion capture. Yeah, and uh, uh, digital fur technology. I mean, we can talk about the brontosaurus scene later, but that I right. that scene I would have maybe swapped out with the... I did enjoy that swamp monster scene. I was mm-hmm. expecting that. And Okay. Well, you know, the uh, this is interesting, too, because this is like also back-to-back collaborations of Peter Jackson and Andy Serkis doing, you know, the motion capture. Right. And uh, I feel like every time I've seen that, you know, Andy Serkis is like the king of that. You yeah, know, like, and then we we got to see him do it like three times with the recent Planet of the Apes franchise, right, yeah. and I think that's a major highlight for me. I think yeah, um, he's he's so good at bringing humanity and like an emotional, um, just just like something you can really sympathize with mm-hmm. to a CG creature to a non-human uh, actor. Um, I thought that was really impressive, especially to, like as Caesar. You know, Caesar becomes more of a human. Kong stays an ape and brings right. humanity to it. Yeah. I yeah. think that's very amazing. I think that was compelling. I think that is part of... I think that still holds up, too, is, um, at least for me, the, you know, the King Kong motion capture effects. Yes. Um, yeah. They didn't... I feel like, yeah, maybe, like, some parts of this movie look a little dated, but I think for the most part, um, it still looked really great. It did, yeah. And, and I'll say, like, watching it, you know, in 4K with a high dynamic range transfer, like, it... 
it looks incredible. Like, even though the movie is now 15 years old, mm-hmm. it, it's one of, like, the best-looking movies from that that era, I would yeah. say. Uh, and, the you know, not all of the effects hold up, but so many of them do, and, and that's so rare with any kind of mm-hmm. CG that is even two or three years older than the current oh, day that you're watching it. And, you know? it's, it's, and, you know, who can predict if something will hold up you know, right. in the future? So that's maybe not even a fair standard. Uh, but it does speak to it when it does hold up, you know, maybe like as a bonus, like, you know, thumbs up for the movie retroactively. And we were talking, when we talked about in a previous episode, like, for example, like Armageddon, that was like right before this era, like where King Kong was like the explosion of CGI and like right. and that really has not hold up. This might be one of like, you know, one of the earlier movies with, um, that kind of CGI that does last when they are finally kind yeah. of getting it right. I think one of the things that Jackson did really well in Lord of the Rings, which then works well in this movie, is the way he blends CG effects with practical effects mm. with like practical environments and shooting it all on 35mm film. I think he kind of loses sight of some of that stuff when he makes the Hobbit films, but mm. uh, I don't really want to dig into those because that, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I do think this is where he's right on the border of that because um, so much of this holds up really well and works really well, but there are one or two sequences where it's an all-digital Kong running around an all-digital environment. Um, mm. they, they, he recreates some of the 1920s Manhattan purely digitally, and there's no humans in the scene. There's no There's no built set. And it looks like a PlayStation 2 cutscene. You can mm-hmm. see where they've cloned buildings and just yeah. tried to add texture and shadow. And yeah. that's the stuff that really doesn't hold up. Yeah, you know? yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I always appreciate um, you know that kind of blend. I, uh, I love practical effects. And right now, I must say, <laughs> Adam is wearing a hat that says, I love practical effects, which I really appreciate that. Uh, and I mean that was one of the things that people really loved about the Lord of the Rings movies too right was yeah. like how much of it was practical and I'm glad he's still holding on to it at this stage in his career yeah. um, and I think that with the New York sequences um, part of that maybe like doesn't just hold up as well for me because so much of that is where he's doing more of the homage to the original movie you know like when he's up on the Empire State Building and you yeah. even have some of the lines repeated like you know it was beauty that killed the beast right and uh, for me I am when it comes to remakes I'm always more interested in the new things brought to the table and I get a little impatient with kind of just repeating you know things yeah. from the original version just because you know you're doing the homage like right. you know like you're trying to send it up but um, yeah we already know that stuff yeah I'd rather be surprised with the new take and that's why I like the um the more like you know horror elements that he brings. Yes. Um. I, do you guys know how like Peter Jackson kind of has roots in like yeah he started off making low budget horror movies. You know, and, Brain Dead, Dead yeah. Alive, that kind of stuff. So uh, I I like you know this is such a big budget blockbuster movie yeah. to be able to sneak in that like you know very um yeah you know he, underground level of like horror. I I kind of appreciate that he's able to get that in there. Yeah, and it's just nice to see a uh, a director like continuing to have like uh, the same sort of voice throughout their career like obviously yes. it's, he's growing and changing but you can see you can feel him in the film which is always nice and that's when she sees it sees what what the island we're filming on an island now when did this happen? Jack, keep your voice down. I don't want the crew getting spooked. Why would they get spooked? What's it called? All right. It has a local name, but I'm warning you, Jack, it doesn't sound good. 
I am ha- he wanted to make this throughout the 90s and he they were going to make it in 98 but mm-hmm. or like 97 98 but they already had uh, Mighty Joe Young mm-hmm. and I think the studio said we can't have two giant apes. I think the, they were like <laughs> yeah, we I mean two I, giant I, I don't, one I don't I'm, I'm happy he made this yeah. after Lord of the Rings where he kind of like his style stands is so yeah. prominent in this movie. Yeah. Especially yeah. during the horror sequences like when the yeah. when the uh tribe like you know Oh like, well, King Kong's on his way. Okay, I, so so here, I I sorry, I, I have to jump in and say that on rewatch, the stuff that kind, the, the stuff that I really didn't like, yeah. was the portrayal of the native tribe. No, it not is, the portrayal, just it's when they so arrive. So atrocious. It's old fashioned, you know, and it's, that again is kind of going back to this old way of portraying, like you know, other cultures, indigenous and cultures. It's old Hollywood it's, again, but it's not a, a good way, right? So he's he's so um, tied down to this idea of like. What what was that? What would what would it have looked like back then? I'm gonna make it the way they would have made it. Like in the mm. same way that you were like, we don't need to see "Twas Beauty" that killed the beast. We also don't need to see a really dated way of showing a yeah. native tribe. And to make things even worse, and this was something I've seen this movie so many times. Just as a quick sidebar, mm-hmm. when I was in uh, my senior year of high school, I had a, a case of mono that lasted three months. Oh, yeah. And one of the only movies I owned on DVD at the time was this movie. And when you are like bedridden like that, all you do is just lie around watching movies. So I watched this movie mm-hmm. maybe like once a week for, for months. I lo- you know, So I know it inside and out. This was the first time I'd watched it on a massive screen mm-hmm. since watching it in the movie theater. And watching it in, you know, 4K with all the detail, I realized for the first time that when they bring Kong to New York and they do the stage show, yeah. it's all white people in blackface on stage with him playing Native oh, Tribesmen. I did have that thought. Is, like, did it, they cast, like, actual, like, people of color? Or did they... Like, no, I was thinking... it is... Like, it... And, and it's just like, I get it. You're trying to do, like... It's the 1920s. And, like, and to, you know, when Kong is outside running through Times Square, there's an ad for Amos and Andy, which was a sitcom yeah. where you had white people in blackface. Yeah. So I understand what he's doing. But it's like, dude, you didn't have to, to do, do that. that yeah. Like, you really yeah. didn't have to do that. Absolutely not. And, in fact, I kind of brings up an idea of, like, mixed messages, because they're kind of, like, sending up this era in, like, an affectionate way. It's the South. It's looking at through rose-colored glasses. But then, you know, if you want to send it up and kind of paint, like, a pretty picture of it, then don't include that. Yeah. You know, either, like, be like, this is what it is objectively... But then you wouldn't have like the stylistic way of portraying it. So yeah. you have to kind of pick one side or the other. Or, or if you're going to show it on screen, point out that you... Like, like show it so you can have a commentary on it. Yeah. Like, show it to be like, this yeah. was bad, we shouldn't do this, yeah. you know? I, um, I was... Uh, when I, I wasn't talking about the natives uh, per se. I was talking about when... There's that shot or... That shot where there, there's a screech... And that close-up that he does in his movies, like Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. I just like, okay, that's his, the shots I'm talking about, that like yeah. his horror roots. Mm-hmm. I agree with you about the natives. I I just remember... Like, well, you know, there's yeah. this other thing that's going on during the native sequence that really bothered me, which is like that choppy slow-mo. Oh, the low shutter speed stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's that's okay. I'm like not as technically. Uh, you <laughs> well, so know, yeah. So trained. the way the way. So if you think about like something like Saving Private Ryan, which has the the hyper realistic stuff in in yeah. the action sequences, mm-hmm. that's achieved by over cranking the shutter speed. So you're mm. capturing more. Um, like the shutter is rotating faster, so you're getting essentially like a shorter exposure on every 
individual frame and so okay. you're getting more detail in it whereas okay. with this you're getting a longer exposure on each individual frame and so you're getting less detail and heightened uh, motion blur it just seemed to me like there was so much of that in that sequence he overdoes it yeah that i was like having a hard time following the action and i find it a little disorienting so um if, it, if and that's a kind of that's a, intentional though like yeah. like that's that, that's I mean he that's, does that that's, Lord that, of the Rings, that's also so. what you were kind of mm. yeah he does it when like the orcs are picking up Pippin and Mary that's a, yeah um, but uh, we're taught that like in film school essentially it's mm. like heightened uh, you know overcranking the shutter speed gets you heightened reality like mm. uh, slower shutter speed creates the effect of like disorientation you might use it if you're trying to show that someone's on drugs or if they're yeah. really drunk yeah. and I think in this situation the, he's trying to show that these people are uh, having trouble processing like the fear and everything around them and so everything is slowing down but it's they're, they're not experiencing reality as mm. they should be well you, you know? know it is at that point like it is like almost like untouched. that is like shifting the gears at that point because like the first hour up leading up to that it is like almost like a totally different style and tone right so, the, the first hour of the film is essentially a movie about how the uh entertainment industry has done naomi watts dirty like mm-hmm. how like she's like an incredible performer and i mean like the whole the whole first hour is about how beautiful she is yeah and like the fact that she should be you know, uh, having this better career. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, it just becomes, it becomes this, uh, terrifying herd of darkness stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very like, you know, clean, polished movie. And then you get to the Island, all of a sudden it's like blood and, yeah. you know, like all this crazy stuff is going on. Um, and that's interesting what you say about Naomi Watts. Cause it seems like Adrian Brody falls in love with her, like at first sight. Right. Yeah. And then Jack it's Black. That, and, and so does King Kong. Yeah. It's, it's that, <laughs> it's right. that 19, that early like filmmaking like that love at first sight like trope like yeah. it, it, mm-hmm. it yeah as we said it doesn't I, a lot of that doesn't translate well I'm still trying to think if Adrian the, well, Brody the, was right for this the, role the thing is though is mm. Jackson has always been a really sentimental filmmaker yes, you, I mean yeah. if you watch yeah. any of those Lord of the Rings movie like uh there's so many scenes between like Sam and Frodo that are like lit the same way that like beauty shots of like Naomi Watts are lit in this mm, film, and yeah, they're just yeah. like you know giggling and like smiling at each other because you know these they they love each other, and that's that's what I'm not good, I'm but... not too hard on the movie with that, but it is yeah. no, it is noticeable. Yeah, I the one thing with the, uh, that character Billy or Will I'm gonna say Billy Jamie Bell whatever, Jamie Bell whoever, Jamie Bell who actually playing. like he he actually behind the scenes talked in his uh, American accent. I'm still trying... He was on the island? He does. He, he sneaks off the boat onto the island. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, yeah. no, his backstory, I mean. What do you mean? So his backstory is that he was a he's stowaway. Fa- he, but yeah, he, he was, he was, he was a, a feral child. I don't know about feral. I was looking... Because but... I was so confused. Uh, like, they found him. He couldn't talk. Oh, interesting. And so I'm... Uh, wow, he's not from Skull Island. <laughs> <laughs> well, part of me was like, are they... I... When I first saw this in in the theaters, this was another event movie. I right. remember it being oh, totally. uh, and yeah, I remember, big Christmas like, release. They, I remember thinking like, "Oh, he was on. He's going to be the the like Skull Island because when he is reading, uh, he finds the notebook, yeah. uh, Andrew Brody's notebook or the script. Right. He goes like, oh, I, know, "I know, I've been there. We don't want to go there." That's when I always thought. Oh. But he was like a he was a, a stowaway who couldn't talk, and Hayes kind of became his father figure. And oh, it was just confusing okay. so at first, I, and but I don't think, think he got any. I, cl- I, I, jumping ahead, I don't think he got any closure to his character. But that's, oh no, once they no, once they once the he Skull Island have. sequence is over, he's not even in the movie anymore. He should yeah. have had closure, <laughs> at least in some way. His closure was watching his father figure get thrown to his death. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Um, Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just, that character just like you invest so much in, and uh, mm-hmm. and, and, well, the, and again, this is part of the problem with the 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 treatment of the of, of the the native tribe and the just the use of blackface is that like the one actual person of color who has a speak a significant speaking role mm-hmm. is murdered and in like such a throwaway bullshit yeah. way, yeah. you know. Um, the, uh, okay, so I, I, I do want to circle back briefly to this um, Heart of Darkness thing. Because sure. I, I just got really, like, into my own head thinking about this. But I was thinking about, again, like, expectations being fulfilled or not being fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And, and I was looking at um, the audience rating of... Kong Skull Island, the um, the oh, 2014 Jordan I was Roy Roberts bring that film, up with you. which, yeah, which yeah. is a film I actually also really mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. But that film is doing, I think, what audiences wanted from this film, which is yes. they wanted the big adventure film they were promised, and that's what they get with Kong Skull Island. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kong Skull Island, uh, like this film, is also referencing Apocalypse Now, but yes. instead of referencing it in terms of like the plot and in terms of the themes it's exploring it's referencing it in the visuals it's like it's the movie is set during the vietnam war and it is using like like shot for shot like recreations from apocalypse now and And i just think it's such an interesting like parallel that both of these king kong movies went to that as like a a a piece of source material yeah i mean the kong skull island one is like so much more popcorn of a movie and yeah, yeah, it's really good time. Those are, <laughs> yeah, it's oh, fun. totally. And then those homages are more surface level. You know, you kind of there's like the one like helicopter shot, which is yeah. like, wow, that is like a, you know, a yeah, you expect you expect mirror. Flight of the Valkyries to start playing. Yeah, you know? yeah, it, it's uh, it's an interesting like difference there because I think that movie is divided in the reverse way where critics, you know, they wanted more substance. But audiences yeah. were like, no, like, that was that was great. That's yeah. what we want. You go straight to the island and you're there the whole time, I'll, basically. I would yeah. say this movie uh, takes the themes of the story of Heart of Darkness while Skull Island takes the themes of the war from Apocalypse Now. Sure. That's, that's because uh, I would say Skull Island has a lot to say about the Vietnam War. Or is, I, yeah, it has stuff to say about the Vietnam War. And yeah, it, it goes in that lane as a, a obviously. I, just, I mean, Kong yeah, I like just nineteen forty. It would take place in the 30, ni- early thirties. Yeah, yeah, early thirties. Uh, so it's just like it's more about the story itself and the themes. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I, I do think that's actually a good point. Yeah. <laughs> think about um, the other cast members we, we've been mentioning Adrian Brody here and there but uh, Keith I think you mentioned that you thought you might have been like wrong for the part Jack, uh, Adrian Brody was both both Adrian Brody and Jack Black were really like coming off they were hot at the time like they yeah. were hot pro- like uh, School of Rock came out like two years before but Adrian Brody is at least known for dramatic parts so you know you I feel like it wasn't as strange of a casting he's course. a lead but he's not an action lead Okay. Or, or I know this on an action. A romantic lead, maybe. A roman- I, uh, well, okay. I, you know the uh, the other actor uh, who, you know, seeing this movie again, uh, the guy from 
uh, Kyle McLaughlin or uh, not Kyle, Kyle McLaughlin, McLaughlin. Not Kyle, McLaughlin. Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Chandler Kyle Chandler who he, he would have been a good le- now down but that's the whole point that's the inversion the, I know, the inver- he, and, and he even I wrote down the line because I I thought it was so he was good. a good snarky but he, main he actor but so Kyle Chandler when Adrian Brody when he becomes like the hero of the film yeah. on, on Skull Island. He's like, all right, everybody, you know, we got to mobilize and do this stuff. Yeah. Kyle Chandler is like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And he's like, you, I knew you were nothing like the characters you play in the movies. And Kyle Chandler says, heroes don't look like me in the real world. They've got bad teeth, they're bald, and they've got beer guts. I'm an actor with a gun who's lost his motivation. So I think that he's perfectly cursed. And I think by virtue of that, Adrian Brody is therefore also perfectly cursed because he's meant to be that guy. He's the guy with like a little bit of a receding hairline. He's got a big nose. He's not your typical like hot leading man. He looks like a writer, but he yeah, becomes yeah, he, that's true. he becomes the hero. Yeah, that's he's you know he's the one that's like I'm gonna go and get Naomi Watts out of here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's... So I think I think because you cast those two guys against each other, mm-hmm. that's why they each are perfect for their roles. Right. But then right. they kind of go back on the Kylo Chandler line because he does swing in to know, the insect which, cavern. Which, is like, which I love is a fun scene, but it's also like... Completely it doesn't. He yeah. would not have done that. Yeah. Um, I'll defend Jack Black. I thought Jack Black actually kind of... I, I love Jack Black I think movie. Jack Black was... I, I like what And Naomi Watts, like, I thought she was perfect in this too. She is perfectly cast, yeah. I would say that Jack Black is the villain of the movie, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay, that, that's what I'm saying. He's he's Colonel Kurtz and he's Francis Ford Coppola, who famously like essentially became Colonel Kurtz while making Apocalypse Now. Mm. He would do things like use the film's budget to fly in his favorite steak from New York every day. He would oh, send yeah, people into like jungle territory without like proper protection. Mm-hmm. He would every morning fire someone just for the sake of firing them. Oh wow. Like he 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 went completely out of his mind. And there yeah. is a, a documentary about Hard the making cool yeah, yeah. Which is uh just as fascinating and and, and dark and messed mm-hmm. up as Apocalypse Now. Yeah, is. Dennis Hopper hopped up on heroin trying yeah. like and I think uh, a young Larry Fishburne also experimented yeah. You got war. You got uh, right. floods. It, so, and so that's that, an interesting. So that's way what, to that, look that's at why it. I think that's what Jack Black is meant to be doing in this film. Yeah, because people I've, I've heard people say, "Oh, I don't like his character in that movie." It's like, well, you're not supposed to like him. You, yeah, he's he's a you know morally apprehensible person. Yeah, he's basically his fault. All these people in this movie die for nothing. That's right. essentially like and what really he, is. He keeps well, giving the ad- speech. He keeps giving yeah. the speech whenever someone dies. His wife and kids. Yeah, he's just like. You know, he didn't die for nothing. He died doing what he loves. And we're going to finish the movie for him. And all the proceeds are going to their wife, his wife and yeah, kids. He says that a couple like, times. Yeah. Which is funny. Uh, but uh, to add to your subversion of Adrian Brody, I think the audience is expecting lovable Jack Black. And you can't... You're, in the beginning, you're, he's making... He's so he's charming yes. enough for you to say, come on this journey and, with me. And you find out how despicable he and, is. And I, I have... Yeah, I have more to say about that. Because um, I've spent the last, like, six or so years working as like a producer and a cinematographer in the film industry. Yeah. And I cannot tell you the number of directors I've worked with who are just like the Jack Black character, who are incredibly charming and really good at selling you on like why you should work with them on their film and like how cool it's going to be and how exciting it is and all the amazing, um, like vision they have and 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 what they're going to allow you to do creatively and then you get to the set and the set is like 
a horrible, disgusting basement where you have to, like, wear, like, a, a bandana over your mouth, otherwise you're going to get bronchitis. Wow. And, like, there's no food because these there's no budget for craft services and, like... Uh, we're going to work 18-hour days uh, because we don't have the, the location for enough time. And it starts off with this vibe of like, okay, this like, kind of sucks. This isn't what I was promised. Uh, but we're going to make it through. Very much like, you know, you have them getting on the boat. And they're yeah, like, yeah. you know, okay, well, this boat sucks. It's not a cruise liner like I was expecting. But yeah, I guess we're going to go to Singapore and it's yeah. going to be fine. And it turns out you're not going to Singapore. You're going to an uncharted island where, like, you're going to get murdered and there's a giant monkey. Mm-hmm. And, like, that is my experience working in independent film oftentimes. I mean, not literally, you know, going to a deserted yeah. island. But, like, you you get talked into these things by very uh, charming uh, people. And then you realize that they're completely full of it, mm-hmm. and they're going to just keep abusing you until you finally either like break or you say no and you get yourself out of there. Yeah. And more often than not, you don't get yourself out of there because you're trying to protect your reputation yeah. and you don't want to be uh, have have it known by other people that you're not a team player. And what Jack Black is do, make, doing in this film is making everyone be a team player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's interesting. You can Your maybe, whole career has been Skull Island. <laughs> yeah. You can maybe say that this movie is like an allegory for like the filmmaking experience no for so yeah. many people. I mean, and, and again, that's that's why I it's say so he's playing like a, a Coppola type in this movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so you're not supposed to like him. Um, but I, I remember like the first time I saw this, and I was like stressed for him, you know, because it's like. Yeah. They, they leave the office and they're like, you know, it's like they have an hour to get all these things arranged and everything. Like, I felt their anxiety. So I feel like the movie almost tricks me into rooting for him until, like, everyone's dying and he is, like, so, yeah. like, you know, um, I don't want to say apathetic, but he's his, you know, uh, priorities are in such the wrong place. The Raptor thing, the, when the... I don't know what uh, crew member that was, but he's like, give me the tripod! Oh, and, yeah. like, and he's just yeah. like, it, that's where it's... Herb, oh, the cinematographer. Yeah, her, Herb got it bad, <laughs> man. I'm like, yeah. oh, you don't see it, but... He... There's a lot of moral event horizons for this. It's like, yeah. like mm-hmm. uh, for Jack Black's character, and it's mm-hmm. it's just... I, th- I think it does kind of... People go in expecting School of Rock, yeah, and it does like, can how long can you root for this guy? Well, you yeah. know, in and that then, case, you sound like you're the Colin Hanks character, who <laughs> basically, you're like, you're agreeing with him the whole time, but then you're questioning it along the way, but you're still there until you get whipped in the face with the rope, and no, then I'm, at the end, you're all salty you're about lumpy. it. No, I am, I'm Herb, for sure. Uh, I, got, I got killed trying to protect the camera. <laughs> you uh, get eaten by raptors? Oh, yeah, Oh, that's sure. the worst way to go. That, that's, that's absolutely me. Uh, uh, okay. As long as I don't die by bugs. I yeah. still think oh, that's my God, the bugs. Yeah, yeah, actually, no, that's the worst thing. That's by larva? That is, that is the most upsetting thing I thought those were leeches. I th- yeah, I think they're giant leeches. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought they Which were is, also, when the cricket is jumping, uh, oh, it, I'm like... Oh, God, stop. You know what really freaked me out? When the one guy is trying to crawl up the wall and the bug... Like gets pops out of the of the like cavern wall out of nowhere and gets them. How many I people feel, died? I feel so sorry for the red shirts in this movie. There's so many of them. You, uh, during the Brontosaurus scene, you do hear uh, a Wilhelm yes. scream. Like, yeah. Yes, like very prominent. This wouldn't be like a Hollywood send exact. up without the. Wilhelm. I know. Exactly. I do, well, I do kind of think it's like a rule that if you're making a, a movie like this, you have to have a Wilhelm scream. Yeah. Like you're not allowed to, to skip that. You got to put it in somewhere, and this yeah. movie has plenty of opportunities. 
Um, and then not only people are dying on Skull Island, but in New York City too, like a bunch of people yeah, had to yeah. have died. But again, it's all for nothing. Like what? There, there's nothing well, is accomplished. It's yeah, you're, you're right. Nothing is accomplished. Um, but it's the it's it goes back to the heart of darkness thing, which like the you know again the thesis of that is that um, like civilized men are just as uh, evil as like quote sa- quote evil as quote savage men. So yeah. you know you you have uh, again Jack Black who's turning King Kong into a, a way to make money and he's doing it even though he knows it's dangerous and he doesn't care if like mm-hmm. you know or even if he cares even if he's horrified by what happens he's willing to take that risk as long as it serves him and that is just as quote evil mm-hmm. as people who are like I'm going to sacrifice someone to this giant monkey so that like the sun keeps shining yeah you know um, yeah and it's interesting because like um even it's like he's always like looking for an opportunity to salvage, you know, whatever he's right. doing. Uh, so even at the end, after he's lost the film, he still is thinking, "Well, what if we bring Kong back to the island?" And then I think a few more people die during that sequence. Yeah. I think he, I think Kong bites off a guy's head. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. And it just never ends with him. Yeah. You know. Uh, so at least that that theme is consistent. Did you guys like the like um, third act New York sequence? Uh, do you think that maybe dragged at all? I mean, did it feel at that point you're at like the two and a half hour mark? Um, I I like it because that's where you get all the closure on uh, on Naomi Watts's character. Mm-hmm. Like I and the the scene. The scenes like leading up to being on the Empire State Building are all really great. Like you know, you've and you've got Kong like causing all this havoc, mm-hmm. and then you have this stunning shot of Naomi Watts walking down the street, and all of you know old timey Manhattan is like blurry behind her. Yeah, yeah they've that's got all nice. this like soft focus on her face, and and the film circles back to you know it fulfills the promise that it made you at the beginning of the film where mm-hmm. it's like this is a movie about Naomi Watts' star power mm-hmm. and like you the audience are going to get to see that and you're also going to get to see this giant ape this you know this monstrous but beautifully human creature uh, stop being violent and like crumble because he's so blown away by her star power. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, she can like you know tame like a giant gorilla. Yeah, um, and I it's interesting. I think when I first saw this and I was in high school and this came out, I think I was feeling it at the time how long it was, and I guess I was more on the audience side of feeling like you know not into these like. I guess, like, quasi-romantic scenes, you know? Yeah. Uh, but now that I'm older, um, maybe you've seen way more movies mm-hmm. and way more patient, I actually was feeling, um, you know, empathy for the King Kong character, and I was enjoying the chemistry between, um, you know, uh, King Kong and Naomi Watts. And I, at the end, when he, like, the, the shot right before he falls off, he gives her one last look, I did, like, feel, like, really sad for him. Yeah. Because uh, I was... like the ice skate. I, I like that... I, yeah, I mean, again, it's, 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 a, bit of, it's, it's a bit of that Jackson sentimentality. It's a little Audiences too much. But it is cheesy. The people that were critical, do some of them do mention, like, did they need to be ice skating? I'm like, I liked it when the movie slowed down. Yeah. So, like, yeah. if the movie didn't slow down, there wouldn't be any yeah, it's, part or sentimentality to I this mean, movie. You, you mm-hmm. just have to admire a film that just fucking goes for it. It's yeah. so big and loud and so much spectacle, and then it's like... Yeah, and now we're going to take five. Mm-hmm. We're just going to calm down, and we're going to have a really nice little moment. Shifts gears again, yeah. you know? Like, for That's like the whole middle yeah. part of the movie, you're kind of, like, speeding. You have all, like, that crazy dinosaur action sequence, the bugs. Like, it's so much adrenaline for most of the movie. And then, you know, you shift gears right, right when you get to New York City. And uh, it is a little exciting when, you know, he escapes the theater 
but it is you know it's sweet again and it yeah. was it was it's interesting to kind of shift gears that way i do think it's funny though can you imagine being in 1930s new york city just walking down the street and all of a sudden a giant fucking gorilla pops out of an alleyway <laughs> like i would lose my mind i would think i was like drugged or something yeah i get a kick out of like these like bystanders who have like totally no idea what's going on and yeah. then king kong just runs by were yeah. you okay with the length yeah, I, I don't begrudge any movie uh, inherently for being long. Um, I think if the pacing is bad, then that's a problem. But I don't think this is a poorly paced film. Uh, uh, it it But it is it is super long. <laughs> do, you think, do you think maybe it took a little too long to get to King Kong? I feel like it was like an hour 20 in when we finally see him. Uh, not necessarily. I mean, again, I think that that's part of why the audience doesn't like this movie because the movie's called King Kong and it takes almost a whole movie for you to meet him. Mm-hmm. Um but that didn't bother me. But uh, again, like I, I'm kind of here for all the character setup. Yeah. Um, I'm here for all of the like I, you know, in order to feel it when Jack Black becomes this like you know egomaniac who's doing all this horrible stuff. It's so important that you're rooting for him to get to make his film by any means necessary. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's important for you to see uh, Naomi Watts struggling so hard to be an actress that she considers becoming a burlesque performer. Or, or you know, I, I, I mean, I, I'm a bit vague on whether or not that's burlesque, whether or not it's like actually full on stripping or whatnot. Old timey stripping. Yeah, I guess so. Very, cl- you know, classy. It says that uh, old timey stripping <laughs> yeah, on the very classy. Yeah, and it's. I, I, I think all that build up is important. And I also, okay, I mean, yeah. I guess basically my thing is. I never have a problem with the length of a movie. I do feel like when I am going to choose what movie I'm going to watch, I do sometimes not pick a movie if it's like over two and a bit hours long because I'm like, well, I I have other things to do and I can't necessarily devote all this time. But as long as the film uses that runtime wisely, it can be as long as it wants. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, like, yeah, the runtime length, I feel like it's justified, right? There's a lot yeah. of movies that don't justify the long runtime, and yeah. I don't think it feels long for me. But I think some audiences were feeling the the runtime, and I don't know if in this era, 2005, if it was that common to have movies this long. I think there were some maybe like I think the like those old epic ancient movies were common at the time, like Troy or something like that. The, ep- the old like Ben Hur and Lawrence, like all it- they were bringing back some of those kind of movies. But yeah. I still feel like most. Like blockbuster movies were like yeah, stu- two hour studio life. blockbusters probably not going to be three hours long. I yeah. think Peter Jackson was the only director at the time because of Lord of the Rings who could make right. King the epic King Kong he yeah. wanted to. I I feel like I'm now going back and forth of like because there were some scenes where I'm like. It's on Skull Island. I, I feel like a lot of things could have been shorter, if but anything, I think when something says an epic, when when you say I'm going to make an epic, you, I'm with you, three hours. Three and a half hours director cut. That, that's the, <laughs> yeah. It's the length of an Irish film. That's tough. Uh, yeah. But you know, back in the day, like these epics were that long in like yeah. the 40s and 50s. I'm kind of okay with it, but granted, there, yeah, some scenes on Skull Island, tonally, just, uh, I'm like... Well, you know what? I actually feel mm-hmm. like, if anything, I... I would say like the the um, the ship sequences leading up to Skull Island is where maybe for me it drags a little bit. I mean, I get the trying to build the chemistry between like Adrian Brody and Naomi Watts mm-hmm. and everything, um, but I just feel like um, that part for me 
like I can't remember too much that happens during like was it like the twenty minutes there you see them on the ship on their journey? Yeah, I mean the scene from that section that stands out to me the most is when they are they are shooting scenes from their movie on the deck, Mm -hmm. and Adrian Brody is standing next to Jack Black and the cinematographer, and Mm -hmm. Naomi Watts is meant to be having this like deep sad expression and she's killing it it's so good and then she looks over and sees him and she like breaks character and like that's the scene that like stands out to me and jamie bell uh, like jack black can see like he's looking like through the actors and you can see jamie bell like whispering like skull island like we're going right. skull. i remember that yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah. I, I, the boat sequence like yeah maybe there's maybe there's some fat you could trim from yeah. there but um I would actually say to me, and and this is probably not what most audiences would have wanted, but the stuff for me that dragged, um, I didn't even drag because I was like, I'm just curious to see how the effects hold up and I want to watch this. But uh, the, 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 the like four or five different uh, locations we keep changing to on the island uh, for King Kong to beat up different giant animals. Oh, you know, okay, it's like yeah. it's like there's a lot of T Rex fighting. That, oh, oh you know, yeah, like that, that T Rex could maybe a be time. a little bit less of that. I was even confused because they set up the first two T Rexes. Like Naomi Watts runs into one, and then another. Then King Kong comes. And then right as he's about to fight the two, a third one comes out of, like, nowhere. (laughs) I'm like, three T-Rexes? Yeah, and then Um, they fall down a cliff, and they go to a grassy knoll, and he rips the thing's skull open. Yeah, then he plays with the broken skull. Yeah. (laughs) Which is a nice touch. I I do... There's something really... The curious uh, creature, you know? Well, you know what? Like... Maybe this movie has fat, but sometimes it's fine to have fat. You can call it healthy fat. Yeah. Not everything has to be yeah, like... Yeah, there's omega-3s in that. Yeah. <laughs> Not everything has to be like, you know, it, getting you where you need to be. Sometimes it's nice to kind of have just something that enhances your experience. Yeah. You know, I think there's plenty of movies uh, by really good filmmakers who know how to have good scenes, these fatty scenes that maybe don't directly advance the plot, but they still make it... It's still enjoyable to watch. So yeah. not everything has to be like this formulaic thing where like get the A to B to C to D. Right. You can take some time to have some, you know, some exciting action or some sentimentality. That's I feel like everyone. If you like said, "What's your idea of King Kong?" Write your version to a hundred people. You'll get a hundred versions. And I think it's good that hey, Peter Jackson had this passion and he wanted to. This is mm-hmm. my version. Yeah. Yeah. And. Flaws and all, because it does seem that people like us, we're even saying, but people who are critical of it or just more like, meh, there are certain parts of it that does drag, but as a whole, you know, maybe it's like you get a sandwich and you're like, I don't like tomato. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so you, you like the same. You like the sandwich. We yeah, can that's how I, that's how I, a lot yeah, on yeah, this podcast. Okay, uh, that's how I'm seeing it as because I it, uh, even the parts that I'm like I, I wasn't a big fan of the Brontosaurus scene. I don't think that holds up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that that's probably the worst of that. And uh, I would sorry, replace it with Kong, the fish. Kong, Kong running through Manhattan with no uh, physical stuff and the Brontosaurus thing are the, probably the two effects that have held up the worst. But that doesn't necessarily detract it from. My viewing of it. That, it's just no, like, me okay, neither. It's like, hey, you gave it a shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, like you tried, tried something, something yeah. and yeah, you know, uh, and, and that, it the, is a little PS two ish. The the thing that's important about the Brontosaurus sequence is you see Jack Black being more interested in saving the camera than saving people. Yeah, and you see Adrian Brody beginning to be heroic. Yeah, and like like, for those like characters. so if you yeah if you if you if you're tracking the character beats, like that's why you those couldn't cut it. it. Yeah, I understand why you couldn't yeah. cut it, uh, especially towards the end. But yeah. but the uh, 
it's very PS2-ish, at least how I was watching it, and you can see the Brontosaurus, like, yeah. just like, wow, they're really good at running under these legs. Like, yeah. they, like the red shirts in this, yeah. like, get crushed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they If really you're lucky, do. you're lucky. Like, yeah, there's some yeah. really brutal, like, deaths that are, like, really quick, you know, like, getting yeah. stomped on. I have to say, I think, ultimately, this movie does make me care. I cared the first time I watched it years ago, and I haven't really seen it um, since, like, its initial release. And I still cared. I think I cared differently this time around. I care more for King Kong than I did, and that's, like, a credit to, like, Andy Serkis um, and his motion capture performance. And even, like, I got to the point where I talked back to the movie at one point, uh, when, after he, like, dies and the reporters are all around his body, I think, you know, one reporter goes... You know, why did he corner himself by climbing up there? And the other reporter goes, oh, he's a stupid monkey. What does he know? And I actually said back to the TV, you're a stupid monkey. Right. <laughs> like, like, screw you, mean yeah. reporter man. No, I, I love that moment as well. It's like, you know um, what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, little things like that. I'm like, you know what? Like, if this movie gets... Any movie that gets me to care is, I have to say, like, is, is good. I feel yeah. like, you know, I... I I don't know if I've ever seen a movie where like, I care about the characters, but ultimately felt that it was bad. I, I I think it's hard to it's hard to do that, especially with a fifty foot eight. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. I, I always think one of the best scenes that definitely sticks out in this movie and kind of sticks out on its own is when she's trying to make him laugh and doing the pratfall. Yeah, that that's one. that's amazing. It's like, it's like an eight minute, ten minute scene. Yeah, and it's so well. It's like that's the scene that. Right, that's out that's hardcore, and that mm-hmm. sells you on both her and especially Kong. Yeah, I think, and I think that's like the real triumph of this movie is like making Kong a sympathetic character and and sort of using Naomi Watts's like star power as a way of doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and she's so good at reacting to yeah. what was probably like a you know a tennis ball on a stick. Um, that's true. You know, it's tough when you know any actor who's performing against. Like not another person, you yeah. Know, that that's tough, but uh, I heard he was just on the... set, but I don't know how you can like a. Well, I mean, yeah. Even if he so was, well. even if he was there for the sake of her eyeline, which would have always been twenty he would have to be like up here, yeah. yeah, yeah. So if unless he's on some kind of crane that they're getting out of frame, there there would have been like a, a point for her to be looking. They hologrammed him. Did to he make do him a look good job gigantic. piecing together like them reacting to each other? Yes. Was, yes, you know, like that. I I totally was. Fo- it made sense the whole way through. Yeah. <laughs> I said no! That's all there is. There isn't any more. Um, (laughs) There there was one thing I forgot to mention when we were talking about Kyle Chandler. um, Because... I was thinking about how this movie is, whether it's directly paralleling um, any particular figures or not, it's definitely talking about archetypes. So you've got like a floppy-haired writer, and then you've got this, like you know, very hot, beefy hero guy. And especially when you've got that uh, altercation between him and Adrian Brody, and he's talking about being a you know an actor with a gun, he's lost his motivation. I was just kind of like thinking about that, and I was like, I wonder how other actors of you know this imagined era and uh, or rather the the era being referenced were they like the people they played on screen? So I was looking mm, yeah. it up, and like you find out that like 
John Wayne comes from like a, a pretty rich family and sure. like never did a day of like farm labor in his life. Yeah. And I found this quote from Humphrey Bogart. Um, I was born to be indolent and this was the softest of rackets. So he's just like a guy that like didn't want to do anything physically demanding. He's not a tough dude. He just wanted a job where he could he Don't could like go and, go and play pretend. <laughs> yeah, you know? um, and yeah, I think sure. that's a really really cool th- idea to be playing with. I think all I think, you need is that like gruff looking face. Yeah, and it's because like that's something everyone knows now. You know? Yeah, but back then, you know, I'm sure people like always assumed you know Clark Gable was just as charming, you know, or whatever it was. Right. And that's definitely like something from that era. I kind of like the opposite. The like Jack Lemmon was in World War Two. Uh, like Christopher Lee. Well, Christopher Lee also played a villain, but Jack Lemmon was like the the Tom Hanks everyman. Right. But he was in World War Two, and yeah. and like he was fighting Nazi. Like he was yeah. a war hero. I think with um, what's the actor's name again? The act. The um, uh, Kyle Chandler. Kyle Chandler. Uh, I enjoyed him in this movie because I like the idea of someone from his world. Like you can tell, he's this like privileged guy, yeah. kind of being like dragged into this like crappy boat <laughs> yeah. on this like crazy adventure. It's great. Um, I get a kick out of him being put in uncomfortable situations. Yeah, and, definitely. Um, I don't know something about his presence. I want to say grounded it for me a little bit. I don't know. He just seems mm-hmm. to be. Um, well, because he's like, I'm sick of this shit. Yeah, you know. Yeah. He seems to be like the most aware of how like insane yeah. it all is. Yeah. Uh, so I like that. I was yeah. just happy. I'm like, oh wow, he's so he was a lot more like, I remember, I, I do remember him being in this movie, but it's more like, oh wow, this movie was 2005. Uh, this is probably during like Friday Night Lights, all that. It's like, oh wow, he's been around for a while. Yeah, yeah he's been like, yeah, he's been been in movies for a long time. Um, the other thing about the the Brontosaurus sequence I forgot to mention is that my favorite part of that sequence is that. Andy Serkis is smoking a cigarette while he's running away from the Brontosauruses and like choking on the smoke, but still smoking the cigarette. That's great. That is great. There's never, there's never a reason to give up your cigarette yeah. when you're getting chased by dinosaurs. That's pretty good. Um, I just like I liked his human character too. I wonder why they decided to give him like the worst death I've ever seen in any movie. Probably because he was like, I can act the hell out of being eaten by imaginary leeches. <laughs> yeah. Like no one else in the movie. Let me show you. Picking it like okay, yeah. who wants to die? There is one line that I did that I did like that fish sequence. I'm sure it's online. Like that del- the deleted, deleted scene. scene. Uh-huh. I do think. Granted, the movie would have been long. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I don't. The, I don't the know that the movie needed out. more stuff on. It need, but Island. it's it's definitely a fun sequence. Yeah. Uh, but they uh, they make it to the other side of the of the lake, and you see this red shirt come out, and Jack Black is just kind of checking the camera, and he's recording it, and it's like, "Is everyone okay?" And the red shirt goes like, "I am," and you see the fish just grab him in. Oh, and I you know what? Craig, I've I've watched that scene actually, and yeah. I remember. Uh, uh, Andy Serkis going like you get that shot too it's like I, I like that one line would have that's been great good. somewhere yeah. else too like, yeah, you know like, what you know, the like, moment of the guy really going would have been more a lot of fe- that's a very effective line the moment yeah. of the other guy though going like I'm okay and then immediately getting killed I feel like is like a very predictable that's thing true that's I done feel like a bunch I've, of I've times. seen oh, that in totally plenty of movies see in the, like, uh, I remember one of the other deleted scenes was like I think when they first uh, King Kong took Anne and ran and like we gotta go after her and they're running around in the dark and like a triceratops comes in and it's basically that's very theme parkish just like bah, and, yeah mm-hmm. and it's just like okay yeah you guys well you know what's so funny um so i was in la over the holidays and um uh eric and i 
we did like the Universal Park and Studio Tour, and they actually have a King Kong sequence on the Studio Tour, where in your like uh, little trolley car thing, you go into this like I don't know tunnel like place, and like you put on your three D glasses, and they simulate a sequence from this movie when you're getting attacked with like the dinosaur sequence. Mm-hmm. It's a little dark though. I mean, King Kong comes in to save you, but at one point there's like an animated Studio Trolley that falls into, like, the insect cavern. It's like, oh, so those tourists didn't make it out of this alive? <laughs> it's just kind of dark. That's great. I love you see, that. You see them with, like, Mickey hats on. <laughs> They're all like, ah! As they're falling to their death. There's, like, children on there. <laughs> like, That's great. Jeez. Oh, man. Uh, there's a weird touch to that. And it was, you know, they shake you around and stuff. It was of course, kind of yeah. fun. How else are they going to do it? Um, and that's actually where I heard that story Peter Jackson saying, like, oh, that's, this movie inspired me to be a filmmaker. So you know, I love just, that. I love that that's, uh, that's why he made the movie. Yeah, and because, you know, like you mentioned, this was after Lord of the Rings. He had that freedom. You know, they gave him the budget, right. and he, he was able to add and, those more, like, his own personal touches. And even, you know, homage and, you know, copycatting aside, I think even his, like, philosophy towards making this film is such a great homage itself to the philosophy of making that film where it's like, yeah, the point of this movie is, you know, it's the spectacle. We're like doing new and interesting special effects that, you, that audiences have never seen before. Like very yeah. famously, there were like lines round the block for people trying to see this movie when it first mm-hmm. came out. So I like that he's always kind of had that spirit. Like I like filmmakers like him, James Cameron, George Lucas, or Rodriguez even when they miss, even when they make a messy film, it's always kind of a glorious mess because they're always pioneering some new technology that you know is going to change the shape of filmmaking for the next, That's like, fair. five, ten years. Yeah. So I'm I'm never going to not love a film like this or a, a film like, you know, Avatar or Alita Battle Angel, like, even, and, you know, Mortal Engines, any of these films made by these people who it's like, okay, was that an A-plus movie? No. But, like... I'm always gonna go to bat for that kind of film. Yeah, yeah, just like the very idea, like let's like try something we haven't done before, you know? Cause yeah, that's, I mean that's like the spirit of filmmaking, is yeah, it? absolutely. Yeah, you know, creating this world, a- and... especially if you're a filmmaker with enough like cultural cachet and uh, you know studio confidence that you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You should do whatever you want. You should yeah. you should push boundaries. I prefer you push storytelling boundaries, quite frankly. But mm-hmm. if no one else is going to bother using that cachet to push the technical boundaries and try new things, then you know they should they should do that. And I'm glad that he it's did a, it with this movie. It's a very nice love letter with. A, yeah. yeah, I think he just wanted to make a love letter with like I had the technology, especially more so than I would have wanted to make it in the '90s. Right. Like I have the technology, I have the the carte blanche to make tell right. the story the way I want it. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Um, and I probably would not have held up if it was made in the nineties. I mean, you know, that's you know, like again, that's like the earlier days. Of no one really talks I mean, about he, the nineteen seventy seven one. Oh no, I haven't seen it. With um, what's uh, his Jeff name? Bridges and yeah. Jessica Lange. No one really. I mean, wow. that's that's part of that's the lexicon, interesting, but no uh, one combo. really. People when people think King Kong, of course, there's the nineteen thirty three one, but. I would say most people kind of... I, I think Andy Serkis was an excellent King Kong. Yeah. And I'm... Also a second I, unit director on this film. This is technically... I think believe this is technically his directorial debut. Oh, okay. Very nice. Not then, oh, I know. He did uh, that movie with Claire Foy and Andrew Garfield. Uh, that's recently, though. Recently, yeah. yeah. You're, okay, yeah. True. I, that's another... I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. No, very nice. That's it, folks. Show's over. Step back. Clear the area. That's it. Shove off, boy. Why'd he do that? Climb up there and get himself cornered. The ape must have known what was coming. It's just a dumb animal. 
but no nothing. What does it matter? Airplanes got him. It wasn't the airplanes. It was beauty killed the beast. Okay, well, uh, I guess we can maybe, um, you know, end this discussion with sure. our own personal, uh, you know, approval rating for this movie. So, Adam, uh, do you see just starting us? What, what would you be your, your percentage, your approval rating for this King Kong? So, I think before I watched it uh, this week in prep for uh, this episode, in my memory, the movie was probably getting like a, a 92 or a 93. Uh, my rating is still high, but I'm dropping it down to an 89, uh, specifically for, uh, Blackface. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, that was, I was so bummed to just see that. I was like, it's such a bad object that stains an otherwise, like, mm. interesting and exciting, uh, piece of filmmaking. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. Um, and it's, it's too bad, because it's unnecessary. Yeah. You know, in, in many regards. Keith? It's not often I talk about this movie or even think about this movie. Uh, and we've raised a lot of good points about I do think the audience score being so low is because of expectations. And I maybe they weren't in the... A movie like this is the right place or right time. A mm -hmm. three-hour movie, you have to kind mm -hmm. of be prepared to watch a three-hour movie. And if you're not getting action, 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 you're getting slowed down, that will bring the audience score. When you watch it at the right time, though... I would give it about an eight. Like this is an eighty for me. I think mm -hmm. it, I think mm -hmm. the the pros definitely outweigh the cons. I I don't even think the cons are that bad, but I, it's not something. I think the rewatch for me. I think it's maybe every ten years. Mm -hmm. It's not something yeah. I go out of my way to watch, but it's a it's a good movie. Yeah, you know that's interesting because it was such a highly anticipated movie. It made a lot of money, and at the time, you know, people were talking about it. it but it, it didn't make a ton of money compared to its budget. I looked. Oh, really? I looked it, it wasn't up. the big hit. It it, okay. it had a two hundred and seven million dollar budget, and it made only two hundred and eighteen domestically. So uh, it, it did five fifty worldwide, but domestically, it just about broke even. And I would imagine that with marketing costs, it yeah. probably still ended up in it's the red. It needed yeah. to be like that three times, but it yeah. kind of just was. Well, interesting. Barely making that double. Uh, because, you know, it's not a movie that, like you said, people rewatch a lot or, you know, maybe like... Because you know, I feel like time is a really good test for movies that, you know... Right. You know, like what... <laughs> no what, one talks about this what, anymore. Yeah, it's like, what is that? You <laughs> Except know? on this podcast. Well, yeah. maybe we'll, we'll reignite that discussion uh, with other people. Um, I'm not holding it against it. I just think that's interesting. Like, why is this the movie that... Maybe is it overshadowed by the fact that you know it's the same director as Lord of the Rings, and mm -hmm. you're going to talk about Peter Jackson. You're talking about Lord of the Rings, yeah. Maybe not this one. Um, my score actually is going a different direction than yours. When I was younger, I'd probably give it like in the '60s or something. Mm -hmm. um, but now it's it's shot up way more for me, and I do really appreciate what this movie is doing, and I think it's an achievement in a lot of regards. So I would give it also like I give it like an eighty-two. Cool. Um, and uh, you know. I, Peter Jackson, I think this is a nice story for him. Again, full circle. Yeah. And uh, it's like, I, I'm happy for everyone involved in the movie. I like Jack Black. I'm glad he gets yeah. this kind of recognition from like a big Hollywood movie studio. You know, he's in there. Um, Naomi Watts, who I really enjoyed in The Ring. Yeah. Which is another <laughs> divided film, by the way, oh. which we'll have to do another time. Uh, you know, 
it's just all around. I'm happy for everyone involved. So 82 for me. Um, and that comes that? out to 83.6. Well, if you round up, that is the critic score. 84, 84. right? <laughs> that, that is that is the critic score on the dot. Well, look at that. Perfect. Uh, well, then I will uh, decree that we are siding with the critics. So uh, thank you, Adam, for stopping by. Thank you for it joining was, uh, us. It was a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Part of love darkness. to come back. <laughs> thank you for joining us. Yes. Yeah, this was a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully we can have you again. Yeah, sometime. I'd love that. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'll come defend something else. Yeah. You should. <laughs> you so, should start a podcast, dude. Like, like <laughs> no, I, I think great. you have a lot of film stories and just tidbits mm-hmm. that I. Yeah, I did like even like the behind like or the the, the technical uh, education there. I appreciated too, just like kind of knowing like the more like you know, how these different effects work. So thank you for uh, oh, it's teaching a me yeah. a little lesson there. Um, so uh, guys, thank you for listening, and uh, join us again next time for another divided film. Thanks. Mm-hmm.